Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ball 58! Ball 58! Go! The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcons Flight Edition 2. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. And we thank you for joining us and dialing up Edition 2 of Falcons Flight. We'll take you inside the goings, comings, and everything else happening with the Atlanta Falcons here in 2020. And Robert, good to see you as always. And, you know, the first thing that comes about with all the news about college football right now, conferences right and left, programs right and left canceling their seasons, I'm optimistic at this point there's still going to be an NFL season because they're doing everything in their power to have one, but who knows what's going to happen? Well, Brian, the first thing I'm going to say is get out of my head because that's (laughs) what I was thinking about on the drive over here because we know the Big Ten has said they're not going to play football this year. There's even been rumblings of the SEC still moving forward, but evolving this huge super conference if other teams want to come in from other conferences that is a good question and I would say I'm still cautiously optimistic about the NFL season and I if I could go back to uh, our previous podcast where Dan Quinn was kind of saying that guys do have the ability to leave the facility I think they really need to start thinking about clamping down and saying you know at a certain point maybe two weeks before the season or something like that is a scenario to where hey guys we're in football mode now the season's two weeks away we're locking it down nobody goes nobody comes in This is it. We're going to form a little bubble here and do the best thing we can moving forward to try to make sure it doesn't get derailed. A similar Florida Marlins situation. Is there going to be an NFL team that just screws the pooch like the Marlins did? And (laughs) They're still toweling off their heads and getting all the blue water out of their hair after you subjected them to our soon-to-be world-famous swirly segment. We remind you, by the way... This program is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? Back to what we were talking about, though, these college programs continuing to kind of fall off. It sets up an interesting scenario, and you alluded to it a little bit, talking about forming these temporary quote-unquote super conferences, what have you. I mean, it could be a bit of a wildcat season, so to speak, where all of a sudden you've got all these different opponents that do choose to play, playing one another where otherwise that might never happen the fcs level and we're also hearing there's not going to be any fcs playoffs why have a season if you're not going to be able to determine a champion the thing about college football that i have is the transfer portal and eligibility like yeah. how that's going to play out in the future but another time another show all right so back to falcons flight as the atlanta falcons continue their preseason gameless training camp We will get into a number of topics, Falcons, today. One of the things we'll talk about is who's going to win that starting job at left guard. There are a number of possibilities. 
We've talked a lot about, and everyone's talked a lot about, the fact that the offensive line was a weakness a year ago, as was the running game, and those two typically go hand in hand. They bring in a Todd Gurley to bolster the running game, but it still starts up front. So we'll address a little bit more who's going to win the starting job, I should say, at left guard. We will also get Scott John's thoughts on that, a member of the Falcons training staff who will be a regular on this program, and we'll talk to Scott in the second segment of this show. We addressed also a little bit last week what the pass rush would look like. We know they signed Dante Fowler, had a stellar 2019 before injury, kind of derailed him a little bit. Guy that has played in Jacksonville, very familiar with Dan Quinn from those days, by the way. And, of course, Tack McKinley, who the Falcons earlier refused the future option on Tack McKinley. So for all intents and purposes, Tack is playing for a contract next year, this year. And you can bet you will probably see some good performances out of him. It's funny how these players react in those contract years, man. I'll tell you what, they tend to show up big time because they know they have a lot riding on it. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and of course, everybody knows what happened with Vic Beasley. I think to term that draft pick as anything but a bust other than one year and a handful of good games would be a misnomer. Talking a little bit about this pass rush, though, Dante Fowler is an interesting guy in that they bring him in to be an edge rusher rusher. And look, you could make a case that any position on the field at any particular moment is one of the more important and or important roles on the team. But it really, as Scott Johns talked about last week, starts with a pass rush. There's no secondary in the world that's going to hold coverage on receivers forever and ever. And you really need to get to a quarterback in two and a half, three seconds or less. I mean, just go back through NFL history and look at all these teams that made some good championship runs. You know, the Giants had a Lawrence Taylor. And everybody will tell you, you got to have a guy that can get after the quarterback. Because how many times have you heard watching an NFL game over the years, you get that guy rattled, get him off his game early, you're going to have a shot at winning this thing. You know, Tom Brady's a guy like that, man. How many times have you seen Tom, those guys got after him and got him a little rattled early on, and he just never recovered? And that's the whole gig, man. And I don't think the Falcons have really had a dominant – type guy like that in quite some time. John Abraham is probably the last one. Well, Dwight Freeney in the Super Bowl year also. And Dwight Freeney's a guy that I covered in Indianapolis. You know, he was a speed rusher, not a big guy at all, but he was so quick and had such ability to get around these massive offensive tackles that are in the league that he had a ton of success, as did Robert Mathis on the other side. Those were two very undersized guys, but they relied on speed, and both of them, despite their small stature, were really strong guys, too. Dwight Freeney had that little kind of swim, yeah. kind of turn move where it was nobody could beat it, and he got around you real quick. I'll tell you, I remember covering a playoff game where they played the Baltimore Ravens, and Hall of Famer John Ogden had the assignment of blocking Dwight Freeney, and he just ate Ogden's lunch mm-hmm. time after time after time. And this is a Hall of Fame left tackle we're talking about. I mean, it's not all about size down on the defensive line. It helps to have a guy that can move, has got quick feet and, and good hands and can get around you. You can have a road grader down there, but if you come up against another team that's got a speed guy, he's probably going to win that matchup all day, I would think. I think speed wins out over power more times than not. Well, let's get into our audio files this week. Dan Quinn addresses the fact that so much has been made about Todd Gurley, but How are they going to handle the backup roles? He talks a little bit about the backup running backs, Brian Hill and Ido Smith. Maybe we don't even call it into that space. You know, how are we going to feature Ido and how are we going to feature Brian? They may be in different roles and make sure we're just going to put the guys in the very best spots. One thing I would say that Brian, I've been just so impressed with is how hard he's worked in the pass game. 
from where he came from out of Wyoming into his first part here to where he is today, that part of his game has really changed, and he's a really complete player. So we're excited that Ito's back. He looks strong. But that whole group of guys certainly think we'll have to find roles for everyone and then make sure really clear and what they do best and try to feature them in those ways. Quinn also talked a little bit about head coach Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles tested positive for COVID-19, so he's currently being quarantined, and that sets up a conundrum for these franchises because who assumes the mantle at this critical juncture where these teams are in training camp and the foundation for the season is being laid? Here are Quinn's thoughts on how the Falcons would handle it. You have to talk about it, number one. And then even it can go down a lot of layers. So Jeff Ulbrich would be the one that would be able to take on that role. Certainly Bob Sutton would support him on some of the things needed from game management as well. So yeah, each of them have a contingency where you go into is what about if it's multiple people? And so those are the ones that you get into because it was easy. I think when I said, okay, one for one. And then what about if both Jeff and I, those were the ones, you know, where you doubled up, but that kind of tic-tac-toe, it took too long. So I can give you the first layer. We haven't even talked about players yet in this particular front. I mean, so what if your franchise quarterback tests positive for the virus? What about even your backup quarterback? You have to have a plan in place. And, of course, they do have an extended practice squad. So here are Quinn's thoughts on that situation. The ability, if there was an issue, we're now able to add someone from the practice squad late, which in the past you weren't able to do. So I think that factors in. But let's go through the full training camp. And no matter what, I think that having quarterbacks available, three and four of them with an extended practice squad, I think that's a big deal. So I think you'll see some teams with three. I also think you'll see some with four, not just for COVID reasons, but if you knocked out two at a time, that is a COVID reason, I suppose. So be back in the same space. I guess, Rob, it wouldn't be much different than how you would deal with injury. You know, it's got to be a next man up thing, but you've got to have that man for a next man to step up. But it's just like we talked about last week with Scott, you know, when he called in and in, in the articles that we read that th- those practice squads are going to be veteran heavy. A lot of times those practice squads, you get younger guys and rookies and people you want to try to develop maybe some more, but they need to plug and play this year. Those guys need to be ready to go in and you could probably be a lot better off with some veterans down there taking snaps and learning the playbook than anything else. So I think that's what you'll see back to the field and speaking of veterans we talked a little bit on the last show about the acquisition of corner Darquez Denard who played for Cincinnati last year. Quinn talks a little bit about what he expects out of Darquez Denard and Denard's a Georgia guy. Fortunately for Quez he's from Twiggs County and so having back home and state is good but he's got experience both outside and inside so over the next you know two or three weeks we'll feature him in both spaces. The fact that he's played nickel that's been a you know a big help for us but He's made his living playing outside. And so as we're going through it, I think we probably need a few weeks to make sure we've got him in the right space and feature him. But certainly glad to have another good player on the team. We talked about offensive line and protection and getting quarterbacks off their spot. Well, one quarterback that everybody around here hopes doesn't get thrown off his spot is Matt Ryan. Ryan talks as a leader a little bit about the pulse of the team here as we sit a couple of weeks into training camp. I think the pulse of the team has been good. You know, I think the energy levels are high. I think guys are excited to be back. I think the organization has done a great job in terms of trying to make it as safe as possible for us up here. And we're all trying to do our part to make sure the season happens. So 
It's been good, but a lot of good energy, and it's felt really good, I think, for everybody to get back together and to get back working at our craft. See, even Ryan alluding to the fact, you know, that they're doing everything in their power to see to it that the season happens in the first place, and obviously, I guess that's the most important element at this point. You've got to have a season for any of this stuff to matter. I think the biggest part of this season, the, the most integral piece, is just the individual players themselves and how they handle themselves. I mean, we saw it with the Cardinals and the Marlins, like we yeah. talked about in our previous Baseball, episode. Yeah. You know, they went out to a casino, they went out to clubs, and it's like, guys, whatever you may think about what's going on this is what has to be done if you guys want to play football not only for yourselves but for the fans you've got to limit where you go especially on the road you know stay in the hotel yeah be smart and I hate to say this, but a lot of guys, especially MLB, started out not being smart. So I really hope we don't hear any stories. You know, I hope the Marlins were the only ones that kind of tripped up and almost ended the MLB season. So I hope we don't see that in the NFL. And that's the, that's the biggest thing, if I could stress to anything, if, you know, if any of these players catch wind of our show, stay indoors, stay away from one another, stay out of the clubs, do the right thing. Just read the playbook another time or two, you know, and, and order room service. If there is a season, and I don't want to use the word if because that sounds almost negative, Ryan feels pretty confident about that offense that he's going to be running. I think we've got a lot of good players. I think the additions that we've made, guys like Todd and Hayden, I think are really good fits within what we do. They've both worked extremely hard this offseason. They're in great shape. And they're both picking up the offense really quickly. There's no question about that. I know I spoke about Todd this offseason of how impressed I was with his ability to kind of pick up things quickly. But I think both those guys have done a great job. So I'm excited about that. And I think it helps that we have a lot of continuity. We have a bunch of starters back at our skill positions, but also on the offensive line and a lot of familiarity with Dirk in his second year back as OC. So I think all of those things help when you're in this kind of environment. It's been a unique offseason for sure, but knowing each other really well and, and having a feel for each other helps during these situations. Uh, you heard him talk about Hayden, and that, of course, is Hayden Hurst, the tight end that the Falcons acquired late of the Baltimore Ravens. And he's replacing a guy who was a Pro Bowl player in Austin Hooper who really came into his own the last couple of years. Here are Ryan's thoughts on Hurst. My first impression is that He's excited to be here and excited for this opportunity. You can just tell that the way he works day in and day out, how much he's embraced the teammates and getting to know guys. That's cool to see. And we're excited to have him for sure. And then I'm probably most excited about his athleticism. You know, he's extremely fast, very good change of direction. He's big and strong. He's everything you would want in a tight end. And so I think he's going to be a nice piece of the puzzle for us. He's a different guy from a tight end standpoint than I've played with. You know, he's got a different skill set than like Austin Hooper or Tony Gonzalez. He's unique in that way. And I'm excited to kind of utilize some of the things that he does and add them into our scheme. Yeah, and that's such a key piece, particularly down in the red zone, that tight end and the way Ryan has relied on tight ends over the years. Hurst is going to be no exception to that. He's going to be an important piece of this offense. I've always said that, just me being a football fan, and and like I said, I don't have your acumen for it, but just as a fan, I've always been a huge fan of tight ends, and I've always thought that any successful offense, and again – Let's look at the Patriots, Ronkowski, you know, those guys, they always had a big, nasty tight end that they could utilize from time to time, not only just throwing passes, but 
blocking as well. I love the tight end position. Basically, the long story short, that's what I'm trying to say is I love the tight end position, and I'm excited to see where he takes it this year. Well, another guy that's going to be a big key for the Falcons' offense this year is going to be Calvin Ridley. Of course, with the departure midseason last year of Muhammad Sanu, Ridley kind of ascends into what would be that number two role opposite Julio Jones. Pretty good guy to be opposite. Here are Ryan's thoughts on the progress of Calvin Ridley. He's working extremely hard. His attention to detail to me, I think, is at another level than it's been early in his career. And, you know, that comes with experience and and that comes with being comfortable. He understands his role and what we're asking him to do. And now it's about really becoming detailed in what he's doing. And that's hard to do in your first year or two in a system because, you know, you're really trying to learn the system, number one, and then find your way and figure out your role. And I think that's clearly defined for him now. And I think you see the benefit of that. He seems very freed up when he's on the field, has a really good understanding of the scheme and the conversions of our routes versus certain coverages. Just little stuff like that that I've seen early through camp has been impressive, but he's hungry and determined and he wants to be a great player. And that is sometimes just as important as having the skill set. The want to and the desire is huge and I've certainly seen that from him really this entire offseason that we've been able to spend some time together and certainly during the first couple of days that we've been back here at Flowery Branch. Well, Ridley, of course, is going into year three of his career, and as we just talked about, and as Matt Ryan just talked about, becoming more and more an important piece in this offense. And here are Ridley's thoughts on what he did in the offseason to improve his game. I've really been working on pretty much everything, but really my legs, getting my legs a lot stronger, trying to get my knees up more, get a little faster. Routes and my hands. I bought a jug machine for the house. Been in there getting a crazy amount of jugs in. And my legs, my cuts. So my cuts are like really good. You know, I'm really strong in my legs and I want to be running through them. And, and that has to do with me, you know, doing it all year long. So all season I have to continue to like squat, you know, do a lot of leg work to keep my, you know, my legs and my cuts really crisp. You know, so I can run fast. Ridley's going to be a key piece of this puzzle. And, you know, when you do play opposite Julio Jones, great example is Reggie Wayne when he played opposite Marvin Harrison. You're going to have some opportunities to get open, catch the ball, and make big plays. Brian, I don't know how much time you've spent on the Internet watching and reading and following Falcons news, but if anybody from a physical standpoint looks ready, it is Calvin Ridley. Oh, my God, this guy is ripped i mean he looks like he's in insane shape and he definitely did not waste his time in the offseason like there was this old cartoon from back in the day called dragon ball z and the characters would go into this hyperbolic training chamber and and just come out looking like these beasts you know ready to spring into action i'm I'm pretty sure like he he did something to that effect to get ready because the guy looks like an animal and you're three he hasn't been bad, but, you know, is he going to have one of those huge, just monster breakout seasons and only time will tell. But it, like, you know, Ryan said, you know, he's, he sees things in route running and he's been doing the work. And from a physical standpoint, he's ready. It's just how are you mentally? It seems to be that he's sharp there, too, and he's ready and he's ready to contribute. Well, here is Ridley on the confidence he has going into the third season of his career. I always had confidence. I just think football has really just slowed down for me a real lot in the NFL. I ain't going to lie, I'm real hungry to just show people that, you know, 
I'm easily a thousand yard receiver, easily and even better. I think that's what it is for me. I'm always confident in myself and I'm just really hungry. Believing you belong is a big part of the deal. As guys would tell you, confidence is probably the most important intangible in all the sports, and he sounds pretty confident. He does sound confident, but the one thing that I liked hearing him say in that little snippet there was that the game is slowing down for him. That's a huge piece of the pie right there in college and pro to be successful is when things start to kind of go in slow motion and, and slow down because everybody will tell you the leap from high school to college is pretty crazy, but then college to the pros, the speed of the game is just what does some guys in sometimes because they can never really pick up on it, and it doesn't slow down for them. So to hear him say that is very encouraging. We talked about Dante Fowler. We'll get into this a little bit more with Scott Johns in the next segment, but here is Fowler on finally getting together in person, not via Zoom, with his teammates. First of all, it feels good just to be here and be around the facility and around these guys and the staff, but as far as getting in the playbook, everything is going super fast. It's like the first day of camp, like we're on the field, but we're doing walkthroughs. It's going really fast, so they're kind of drilling on us, putting the pressure on us to know everything because, you know, we got to be on top of our stuff, and we don't got time, you know, just to be trying to, you know, teach everything because those are the stuff that we already went through in virtual meetings. So now that we're here, well, probably do a virtual meeting the night before, and then that next day, we walk in through 8 o'clock in the morning. Part of the maturation process of a player and becoming more of a pro, oftentimes are the people that you're around. Here is Fowler on some of the influences that he was around in his career to get him to where he is today. Being a professional, carrying yourself like a pro, being around Aaron Donald, Dominican Sue, Eric Weddle, a lot of great guys, Ty Gurley, just everybody. Marcus Peters, a key to leave. I saw how they carried themselves as pros, and I see why they was all pros and pro bowlers. And I was literally on the same verse last year. Honestly, if I had three more sacks, we'll be talking about a different, you know, a Pro Bowl season, all pro type of year, but it didn't happen like that. So I still have some more work to do, and, you know, I'm just going to keep carving my tools and sharpening my knives every day. You would know this, Rob, but Fowler, of course, has a history with Todd Gurley, Fowler being a former Florida Gator, and Gurley, of course, a Georgia Bulldog, and the two of them have squared off not only on college fields, but also on NFL fields, and now they get to be teammates. Well, they were also teammates out in L.A. as well, so they're very familiar with one another. I'm just wondering how they plan to utilize him. I know when he was out in L.A., L.A. runs a 3-4, so Fowler was an outside linebacker, so that'll be interesting to see where they put him on the field. Here are Fowler's thoughts on being teammates again with Todd Gurley here in Atlanta. We were definitely big rivals at the Florida-Georgia game. I remember... My freshman year, he started as a freshman, and he literally ran all over us. And that next year, we played him, and I was like, me starting and things like that. So um, I didn't take it easy on, you know, what he did to us last year. So I was kind of like on him super hard. And, you know, we kind of got into a little scuffle in the power. I had tackled him, and, you know, we kind of like was fighting and stuff like that a little bit. It was a kind of a big thing. But now we've been teammates, so we was in the same draft class. Got the same birthday, so it's just crazy how the world works. Rob was talking about it a couple minutes ago. You know, schemes matter how you're used. In a 3-4, a guy like that is typically used as an outside backer. In a 4-3, he typically lines up on the end as edge rusher and has an edge rusher on the other side, and you're more likely to have your fingers in the dirt in a situation like that as a defensive down lineman, so to speak, but a guy that's going to rush from the edge. Here is Fowler talking on similarity of schemes to where he's been. I don't think it's a familiar scheme in Jacksonville. It's kind of more similar to, I would probably say, 
Los Angeles where um, they let me stand up and they let me put my hand in the dirt. Because Jacksonville, I just had my hand in the dirt the whole time. So they let me be able to stand up, move around sometimes, and they also let me put my hand in the dirt, pin my ears back. Great example, though, what we were talking about a few minutes ago. In Jacksonville, it was a rigid 4-3 scheme where you're going to line the guy up on the end, he's going to have the hand in the dirt, and he's going to come off the edge that way. As an outside backer, the case can be made in a 3-4 that you can build up a little bit of a head of steam and be full go by the time you engage the offensive lineman that's assigned to block you, too. Yeah, I'm really excited to see this Falcons defense this year with the additions they have. And early on in camp, they've been really pleased with A.J. Terrell, the rookie from Clemson. They say he seems to be picking things up really fast. And like I said last week, Keanu O'Neill, as long as those injuries don't hinder him and he's out there flying around and feels comfortable, that's going to be great. I look forward to seeing the whole brotherhood mentality come back to light and these guys get really charged up and just knock some guys in the mouth. And it seems like they're ready, man. I mean, Dante Fowler said he's ready to go wreck it with Tack. It seems a positive vibe around camp, everybody's, but it's every year. Uh, yeah, hope that springs way. eternal. Unless you're the Cleveland Browns, and you know, really, it's like, well, <laughs> well, that we was even eternal last year. <laughs> yeah, you talk about overhype, but you know, that's the sensationalist age that we live in. And who knows? I mean, the one thing about the National Football League, people say all the time, radio hosts, whoever, oh, this or that team doesn't have the talent. BS. Talent is on every roster there is in the league. You could make the case in the combine era, these guys are measured and poked and probed, and essentially a corner on one team is physically, be it the speed or one thing, the 40 time, one thing or the other, a clone of a corner on another team. That's how scientific all of this stuff has gotten. It's really about what's in the heart. It's what's in the head, and does the coach's message resonate, and do players fly around and rally around each other and that coach to get it done? And then, of course, you mentioned this last week, you got to have luck, too. Absolutely, but I also think you know a lot of it is on the coaching staff and somebody that's very good at this about taking players that maybe other franchises deem aren't so good, really being able to break down who they are as a player and utilize their strengths. Bill Belichick. No doubt about it. And it was the same philosophy that Al Davis used to use back when the Raiders were a more relevant franchise and in their glory years, so to speak, where they were really good all the time. They would take guys that were flat out rejects from various other teams that still had physical gifts and turn them into assets on their team. Well, it's time for us to take a break. In fact, we're a little bit over. We mentioned the fact that Scott Johns will join us again. Robert and I will talk a little bit about the NFC South coming up in that segment with Scott Johns. We'll also get his thoughts on the battle at left guard that we already talked about and the pass rush. Falcons Flight presented by Believe Entertainment. Back right after this. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at ComputersPlusUSA.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. And we're back on Falcon's Flight, presented by Believe Entertainment, the number one podcast site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor as we talk Atlanta Falcons here on Falcon's Flight as we're a couple of weeks now into training camp. Talked a little bit, or you heard the spot for Mr. Hardwood. Let me give them a shout-out here. They came to my house yesterday And they did an unbelievable job replacing the floors on the lower level of my house. I live in one of those split levels where the kitchen, dining, and living rooms are all on one floor. I also had a bit of an issue with the subfloor right inside the back door where bottom of the door seal had leaked. And I actually had some rotted subfloor. And these guys whipped that together like it was nothing, too. You talk about game plans. If you need flooring for your house, your game plan is to contact Mr. Hardwood if you're here in the Atlanta area. They're at mrhardwoodinc.com. And as promised, joining us now is Scott Johns, member of the Falcons training staff, spent some time with us here last week. And Scott, Robert and I talked a little bit about this earlier. We want to get your sense of first the question of who may win the starting left guard job for the Falcons. Of course, the offensive line is a bit of a question mark simply based on how it performed last year. And of course, injuries are all a part of the mix. But, you know, you've got Matt Hennessy in the mix. You've got Jamon Brown in the mix. You've got James Carpenter and also Matt Gono. What's your sense? And of course, we're only a couple of weeks into the preseason gameless training camp. Well, I think they like Hennessy out of Temple. He's a big kid. 6'3", 307 pounds. I mean, that's what you want. He's as quick as he is big. So that's the kind of offensive line that they like in terms of size and speed. And and you have to have that with the defensive tackles that you're going to face week in and week out in the National Football League. These guys are able to disrupt you at every turn. And if you don't have someone to combat that, to neutralize that speed on the inside, it can cause problems for your offense. No matter how good your skill position players are, it all starts up front. And to answer your question, it's hard to bet on a rookie guard starting only because you never know how they're going to perform once the pads go on. If I had to guess, I would think he's going to push for the job, but I like Matt Gono. I really think he's going to step up and surprise some people. They've got a lot of money invested in Jamon Brown, James Carpenter, but Gono, I think, is the early favorite to win it. They've got to see some improved performance from Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry as well. And I just wonder, are they going to do some sort of rotation? You see that a lot in the NFL these days. There's different plays where you plug this guy here and take this guy away and I'm just going to be interested to see how they start out overall. I I feel like we've really got to see a lot right out of the gate with this offensive line this season. They really got to come out firing all cylinders out of training camp. I don't think it's something they can struggle with and try to fix during the season. 
you're right. They've got to establish it early. In my opinion, the key to success is the consistency on the offensive line. You look at the 2016 Falcons, the ones that you know obviously went to the Super Bowl and set records offensively. Probably what goes unsung about that season is in all 16 games, we had all five offensive linemen start in each game. To have that kind of consistency on the front line is huge. I mean, not just from a comfortability standpoint for Matt, but communication and just the trust that goes into that. So I think they're going to really push and see who's going to emerge in the next few weeks to being the starter. And I think they're going to work on depth behind that. And that's good when you have that many names in the mix. Like Brian said, the injuries are part of it. You're going to have injuries. That's just the reality yeah, of the National Football League. Exactly. And I think they're going to kind of bring some of those guys further down on the depth chart up to speed so if they do have to step in and maybe even play a different position. Dan Quinn is huge on versatility and cross-training, and, and you might see a guy like Hennessy that may not win the starting job, but he may be a backup at center and guard because he's that versatile. So Quinn teaches that and coaches that, and hopefully they can get it ready to go for week one. But if not, at least we've got guys in the fold that can at least step in if needed. Well, another guy who could add a little depth at guard and tackle that we haven't mentioned yet, and we got him from the Cleveland Browns, if I'm not mistaken, is Justin McRae. So the Falcons do look pretty deep at offensive line this year, so it looks like they can handle any sort of obstacles that might pop up, and they got a strong unit, but time will tell. Got to play the downs. Well, you're right. Those guys have a good offensive line coach, and what they're going to have to really, really hone in on is they're embracing this new outside blocking scheme. The other day, and this is kind of funny, what a lot of people don't realize is, and then early in camp, you really don't hear a lot of this because it's all schematics, and, and you really, you're just trying to get used to the rookie names this early in camp, but sometimes stuff will get out that really makes you scratch your head and go, hmm, here we go. You know, this could be something that, you know, philosophy change or whatever the case may be. But Alex Mack stated the other day that they're going to recommit to the outside zone. So that would lead me to believe that the most athletic offensive linemen are going to be the ones that will emerge. You know, and, and again, Hennessy's in that mix, but anytime that you sculpt your offensive line and philosophy around athleticism and pulling to the outside, and you've got to be quick to do that in the NFL. The aforementioned defensive tackles and some of these linebackers, it's going to take some guys that can really, really get off the ball and, and move. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be a week-by-week development, I'm sure. I think that's one of the things that maybe the average fan doesn't realize Long, long gone are the days where offensive linemen were essentially the largest oafs that overpowered people and all those things. There's so much technique and so much athleticism and so much of what separates the guys who make it and excel and the guys who don't is footwork and quickness. Yeah, it's incredible to watch these guys work. I mean, and and really it creates the need on the defensive side of the ball because these defensive ends, and these tackles, some of these linebackers that stand up and rush the passer that way are just evolving more and more every single year. And the need for these big offensive linemen that can move their feet, and like you said, use footwork, you have to be a technician, especially at left tackle, you know, to protect the quarterback's blind side. So it's, it's incredible to watch. It's almost like a chess game watching the defensive players evolve and then having to adapt to it on the offensive side of all of these linemen. It's, uh, it's the beauty of football. Depth is equally important along the fronts on the other side of the ball. And as we transition to that, let's talk a little bit more about this pass rush. I know we discussed this with you a week ago, but the success of a defensive side of a team really starts with that pass rush. NFL quarterbacks are good enough that if you don't get pressure on these guys within two to three, three and a half seconds, 
you're going to be in big trouble because it doesn't matter if you have an all Hall of Fame secondary. They can only hold coverages so long. Yeah, this is something that the Falcons have to get figured out in a hurry, and they think they've done that with the additions. And I mentioned it last week, but you know Dante Fowler is now the leader, you know, on that line next to Grady Jarrett. They're going to have to be the ones that set the tone and, and really get after the young guys to produce. Tech McKinley is certainly a guy that everyone's looking at saying, hey, you want to get paid in this league, it's time to go get double-digit sacks, and you're going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities to do just that. So there's a lot of young guys that there's a lot of promise there, and I think that they're just going to have to figure it out as they go, and and now there's no preseason to judge that stuff. So you've got guys that are obviously going to start week one and be a huge, huge rotation piece like uh, Alan Bailey in the base 4-3 defense that we run. Alan Bailey is going to start and play probably 80% of the snaps. And Dante Fowler and obviously uh, Tech McKinley are going to have to drum up pressure on the outside. If, if it, Like you said, if it doesn't happen, the secondary is in a lot of trouble and we'll be right back where we were last year allowing you know 30 plus points a game in the first eight games of the season it's just it's not sustainable i think somebody else we could watch too that falcons fans that might not be on their radar because he is a former first round pick and it it seems like he's probably going to be the primary backup on the edge is charles harris well charles harris was a guy that that a lot of people really liked in the draft a couple of years ago when when he was at missouri he was a game record and anytime you can do that in the sec you're gonna garner attention and he's just a guy that for whatever reason fell down the board a little bit and the Dolphins I guess had enough veteran leadership on the defensive side of the ball and a lot of those guys to generate a pass rush that he was all he fell into that rotational piece and never really got a chance Quinn really likes what he sees him I think there's a reason they went out to get him and maybe just wasn't for depth who knows I mean he could be a guy that makes a big impact and as you've seen in years past and Quinn relies on rotation of three or four guys off the edge consistently to get pressure. So you're going to see his name a lot this year. I really believe that you're going to hear Charles Harris. And he probably won't have any more than five sacks, but as a guy that you brought in as a we'll see kind of guy, that's really all you can ask because he's not even the primary in that rotation. So if you can get five or six sacks out of him, especially in situational down in distances, could be big for this defense. We alluded when we were talking about the offensive line to attrition and all those things, and that just underscores that much more. You could make the case, in fact, that aside from the Fowlers and McKinleys, these other guys in the depth package matter a ton for that very reason. They're going to have to be relied on. Nobody can go out there and play every play. Yeah, you know, during the week of practice, you've got to get up there and you've got to plan. If you're a backup or a rotational guy, you've got to plan like you're going to start and you're going to play a lot of snaps. You've got to know the game plan. You have to know the ins and outs and the, from the film study and all that. So. Really, the difference between college and pro, I think, is everybody prepares like they're going to start and play significant downs in the NFL. Because you, if you don't, you're going to be caught off guard and you'll get exposed. Dan Quinn preaches that, and I think that's something that he learned from Pete Carroll in Seattle. Next man up is always a play away, and that's always important in the NFL. I guess one thing, as we're talking about the defense, is I'm going to leave everybody with this, and this is kind of a little ray of sunshine to give you hope. Everybody knows that the Falcons started out terrible finished strong at 6-2, and two, but in those last eight games with Raheem Morris in charge, they went from bottom of the league to top 10 in takeaways, 32nd to tied for 2nd in sacks, 32nd to tied for 10th in pass defense, 31st to tied for 4th in opponent drive scoring efficiency, and opponent red zone efficiency, they went 31st to 6th. Even with the injuries, 
So it seems like Raheem Morris has got a good rapport with the guys, and and they're playing hard for him. And again, it's last season, but and that has to carry over into this season. But with a lot of guys coming back, and Dante Fowler, and a lot of depth of that defense, and some young guys. You know, I said earlier in the show that they figure AJ Terrell is probably going to contribute right away. So I think you're going to see that kind of like that 2016 defense again. Everybody's flying around all over the place, lots of different looks, and and kind of keeping teams off balance. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, you ask yourself, you know, with the same personnel on the field last year, what was the difference in the first eight games and the last eight games? And it's not the personnel at all. It's all scheme, and that comes from Raheem Morris. Raheem really got those guys in a position to achieve, and he understood what was ailing the defense. And a lot of it was running backs and tight ends that were just going uncovered a lot, and teams were just massacring us with their underneath the intermediate depth route so it was an adjustment that had to be made you wonder and this isn't a shot at Dan Quinn Dan Quinn's a very good coach but that part of the season you're ranked that low why does it take you until week nine to make a change like that I know he's got a lot of faith in this guy and certainly a lot of faith in himself but at what point did he go okay maybe it's time for a change maybe it's time for me to turn it over because I've got so much on my plate as head coach and he knows Raheem Morris well Raheem's a guy that's an up-and-coming coaching candidate in this league. You can't do it all yourself. But now that we're starting the season with Raheem, you have to wonder, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. We're probably not a top-10 unit like we finished last year, and we're certainly not the 32nd-ranked team. The way this team's built, all you need that defense to be is ranked somewhere in the middle, 14-15, and let your offense do the rest of the work. That's how this team's built. From the ground up, it score a lot of points, then don't break on defense. And if they can do that, Raheem can just hold his water somewhere right there in the middle of the pack, like I said, it's going to be a very good season. And that was the recipe, like you said, Rob, to the 2016 season. You're not going to overachieve on defense, but you got to do just enough to win ballgames. Scotty, as always, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Appreciate your insights. We'll look forward to tapping into those more as we move forward with Falcons flight in this preseason gameless <laughs> preseason, so to speak. Thanks a bunch, man. Thank you, guys. Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons training staff spending some time with us and providing some insights as training camp progresses here in 2020 with the hope, of course, that there will be a 2020 season. Before we break away, let's go to the hit of the week. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts, presents Lay in the Wood. The hardest hits from around the NFL. And here, Lay in the Wood. The Commissioner, Mark Rich. All right, first installment of Lay in the Wood. I'm actually going to take you all the way back to September 8, 2019, U.S. Bank Stadium. Falcons, Vikings, 48 seconds left in the third quarter. Toss to Dalvin Cook going left. Just beat the outstretched hands of Devondre Campbell. Here comes that deep-seeking missile, Keanu Neal, who lights him up and decleats him and sends him all the way flying into the line, Judge. So hard, you could faintly hear Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the background screaming ho. Lay in the Wood is presented by Mr. Hardwood. Call 770-318-8880 for a free consultation today. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to break out the commode. Yep, it's time for the soon-to-be world-famous Swirly segment coming up right after this time out. You're listening to Falcon's Flight. It's presented by Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Back after this. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. 
Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. And we're back on Falcons Flight. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. Thanks again to Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons for spending some time with us in the middle to shed some thoughts as we progress through training camp 2020 with the hopeful 2020 season drawing closer, albeit without the benefit of having preseason games. Before we bust out the porcelain pony for the soon-to-be world-famous Swirly segment, we were talking a little bit, Robert, before we went on about the NFC South division, and obviously Carolina is kind of the one exception. Bit of a rebuilding mode there, and now the post-Cam Newton era. There's a lot of question marks about the Panthers, but I think other than that, pretty formidable group of teams in there. I guess so. You can always count on the Saints. The one question mark that I had that I mentioned while we were kind of racking our brains and tossing ideas around is how all of a sudden the lowly Buccaneers, I call them the Suckaneers, with the addition of a 43-year-old Tom Brady and what seems, I mean, everybody knows Gronkowski had some big injuries in his career. He got dinged up pretty good. They got Bruce Arians. Great quarterback coach. Great offensive mind, too. Great coaching pedigree. Took the Cardinals to a Super Bowl. I just wonder now how everybody's just kind of instantly in a lot of media going, oh, yeah, well, they're a Super Bowl favorite. <laughs> and, okay, Tom Brady has already so admitted. So are the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Tom Brady has already admitted to having trouble with the playbook. That's no secret anymore. It's been all over ESPN everywhere you Man, look. Man, you've been in the same system for 19 years, even if it does morph a little bit over the years based on personnel, it is new surroundings. It is a whole new philosophical thing. You know, old habits die hard. And I've always said that Brady is a system quarterback, so I think he's going to struggle mightily. But I also think his ego is getting in the way a little bit. At 43, I don't know how much he's got left. I really don't. And what kind of O-line does Tampa Bay have? they got to protect him. If you can't protect Tom Brady, he is not going to be Tom Brady. Everyone knows this. 
It's no secret. I don't know. I just think it's a little premature. I think it's a little ridiculous to just exalt them to that level of success. Well, this goes back to the sensationalist era in which we live. And, of course, you know, the Twitterverse, there are more experts that don't know squat than at any time in our history, I think it's safe to say. Oh, yeah. And I'll always say on this show that I'm by no means an expert, just a fan. I enjoy talking football. I enjoy reading about football. And take everything I say with a grain of salt because it's just my opinion. But I'm certainly not going to sit here and act like my opinion is, is absolute fact. I even said that on my last podcast we had together. And I guess the message I'm going to send is fans that more importantly, this show is for you and about you. We're a couple of fans. Brian has a strong NFL pedigree, but I want you guys, and we're going to get you set up with this pretty soon. we got Twitter and email and stuff. Man, let us know what you want to hear about, what you want to talk about. We have visions of maybe getting some of you guys phoning in and, and talking some football with us. But other than that, high expectations for the Falcons. Everybody seems to be cautiously optimistic. There is an air of excitement around the camp, but I think everybody, for some reason, may be waiting for the other shoe to drop, and they go, hey, guess what? No football, guys. We're done. Let's all pack it in and go home. I think till toe meets leather, it could be the midnight hour just before the season starts and they pull the plug on this thing, just depending on how everything plays out. You just don't know. Definitely going to be interesting to see how all of that develops as we go forward. But again, in the age we live in, sensationalism is such a big part of everything. I would take with a grain of salt what the Twitter or even the self-proclaimed experts out there have to say. With that said, before we wrap up edition two of Falcon's Flight, what time is it? If I'm looking at my phone correctly... I set a reminder so it would go off and remind me that it is, in fact, swirly time. It's swirly time. The Falcon's flight crew is intolerant of jackassery. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away, where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain, where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones, (laughs) where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment, Now let's get this party started. And because of the accent of one John Facenda, I remind you once again, (laughs) that this is not get the party started, this is get the potty started. And to reset a little bit, this is for idiots in the world, and there are plenty of them, sadly. But we have a unique way of essentially making them pay the price for being idiots by rinsing away their stupidity. And we do that with the swirly segment. Robert, I'll start this off. And I generally go for, you know, the obscure in these things and uh, little interesting news bits that I find from around this great country of ours. And here's a good one. W-O-I-O calls it a botched prison escape in Ohio that ended in, quote, embarrassing fashion. ABC7 calls it an epic fail, or should it be epic fall? 
It was all of these things for Jessica Boomershine, who was caught on surveillance cameras determinedly trying to find her way out of a lounge-like area in the Montgomery County Jail in Dayton. Both media outlets have a clip which shows Boomershine with other inmates casually watching, standing on a kiosk seat, and looking up at the ceiling. She then drags a chair over, climbs atop the kiosk monitor, and apparently removes a ceiling tile, that part can't be seen on screen, and she hoists herself up and her legs disappear out of view. Well, the ceiling apparently wasn't made to withstand escapees, however, and debris starts to fall just seconds later in the video, followed by the ceiling completely giving way, leaving her legs dangling. Correction officers are in the room at this point, and they grab her leg. She eventually lets go of the ceiling, crashes down to the ground. A trash can breaking her head's fall. Boomershine now has escape and vandalism charges tacked on to charges that she was already facing, including kidnapping, felony assault, burglary, robbery, and grand theft related to an attack on an 85-year-old man. Hey, Jess, your head's in the swirling blue mess. Get over here. Gonna need a big towel to dry the blue water out of your hair. I hope she packed a big bag, because she's gonna be staying there for quite some time. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. That's that's unbelievable. You know what's even more unbelievable is every week when we go to research these things, it's not hard to find them. There are millions of them. Oh, yeah. We have got endless material. We could do an entire podcast just called Swirly. My thoughts exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> we certainly could. Dude, this one was a no-brainer. And again, I didn't have to try at all. I don't even remember what I Googled. I just, I think I Googled idiot athletes or something like that. But from the National Institute of Window Lickers, we bring you the one, the only DeAndre Baker. What an idiot. 22 years old, just had a rookie season with the Giants, first round draft pick, Jim Thorpe Award winner in college, All American, great defensive back. Had a very promising career ahead of him in the NFL, it seemed. He had 61 tackles and eight pass deflections in his rookie campaign. But he's now facing... Before his career even starts. Four counts of felony robbery charges with a firearm. And now, I haven't been able to find any reports that say this specifically, but a few people that I've spoken to that said it, how it started was that he lost about $70,000 in a card game at a house party down in Miramar, Florida. Now, I will not say that's true because I haven't seen that in print anywhere. But what I have seen, Quentin Dunbar from the Seattle Seahawks was with him as well, but now he's been cleared of any charges. But apparently these two bozos, and again, I can't say anything about the card game, but these two bozos ran up into a party with firearms and started taking cash and watches off of people. And they had two very expensive high-speed getaway cars. So I don't understand it. Your rookie contract made you a wealthy man. There's no way it didn't. It's not near the amount of wealth you could have amassed had you not pulled this bit of jackassery off just recently. Ten years to life this guy could get at 22 years old, and just seemingly he has crashed his career right into the side of the mountain. He's still with the Giants to this point, and... You know, maybe some things will come out to clear his name, but I just don't understand where your head is when you're in, in that position. <laughs> we know where his head head's is, going. Yeah. 
Hey, Baker, meet your porcelain maker. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. Unbelievable. It's just more fuel for the fire of, of uh, Florida fans and the other SEC fans to just throw Isn't back in us Georgia fans' face. So thanks for that, DeAndre. Because you're a dumbass. We didn't have enough as it was. No doubt. Well, that'll about wrap edition two of Falcon's Flight. We appreciate you joining us this week. Thanks, as always, to Scott Johns. Thanks to Robert Taylor. And thanks to our friends at Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. And we will talk to you next week, everybody. So long. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.